Hey, what's up, Fervent fam? I am Mike Rosado, lead pastor of Fervent Church. And if this is your first time checking us out, thank you guys so much for stopping by. Uh, we've been reaching so many new people, and I'm excited for what we're doing here online. And what we like to do at Fervent Church is do things in series. In fact, we just finished up a series called I'm Out, learning how to have freedom in certain parts of our life. And we're starting a brand new series today called This is How We Change. And the special thing about this series is this, is that during this quarantine time, a lot of us, were at, when we're at home, we're trying to change some things, right? I've, I love the memes out there where it's just like the, the people who go to the beach and they're all out of shape and they go, oh, I thought you were just kidding when you said you were working out at home, right? Um, most of us, you're either working on something or you're wishing you're working on something. And so in this series, we're going to discuss how do we actually change? Because if you're anything like me, we've tried to kick some habits out of, our, out of our system, right? We try to kick some habits out of our life and we end up failing. So in this series, we're going to determine from the Bible, what are the proper ways to really change some things in our lives? And the other crazy part about this series is that if you know the history of Fervent Church, I actually started this series back in 2015. So it was on the second week of the series, I believe, and that's when we had this surprise merger with a church called Open Door Alliance Church in Voorhees, New Jersey. So we're, at that time, we were meeting in a movie theater, in fact, Somerdale Cinemark in New Jersey. And uh, we started entertaining this merger, which would have been our second merger at the time in the course of history of Fervent Church. And so since doing that merger, we had to put a pause on that series um, because we didn't want to make those other individuals that attended Open Door or new people um, feel like they were left out of the series. So we started a brand new series right when we moved into the building. Um, so I never had the opportunity to finish the series. And now, 2020, this crazy 2020 year, I get to not only start the series strong, get to add some extra points, and it as well as finish the series strong. So I'm excited about this. So this is how we change. And so that we're all tracking on the same page. I want to kind of give you um, the thesis, if you will, for this whole entire series, okay? And it goes like this. If you, if you look at Scripture, you know, there's verses that say, um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. There are principles that we find in Scripture that help us understand how to change, right? So if I want to increase my faith, what I got to do, I got to change my hearing. If I want to change my thoughts, as man thinks in his heart, so is he, I got to change first my heart. So there's this progression of change that I feel like at times our attempts to change fail because we don't understand the progression that God placed on all of our lives. So here's the thesis, ready? Before you desire to see change, he, meaning God, must first needs to change your heart. It starts with your heart. Then once he changes your heart, he then will change your thoughts. Once he changes your thoughts, he then will change your character. Once he changes your character, he will then change your habits, right? We always start, let's just start with the habits. No, there's a couple things we got to change before that, right? So then you change your habits. And once he changes your habits, he will then change your course. Then once, once he changes your course or your ways, he will then change your destination, okay? We want to change where we're going, but there's a couple things we got to change before that. So in this series, we're going to learn this is how we really change. And now you know right now as I speak, some of you are watching, you're thinking, oh, wow, that's why I couldn't do this, and that's why I didn't achieve that, because there's a progression that we all have to follow, right? They try to jam up Jesus one time 
uh, in the book of Matthew. There was a lawyer that tried to, tried to test him. In fact, all these guys throughout Jesus' life, they were always trying to test him and catch him saying the wrong answer or, or preaching the wrong thing. And so this lawyer came to him one day and asked him this legal question, right? Our Bible was split up in twos, right? We have the Old Testament, uh, which is a series of uh, books prior to Jesus. And then the New Testament, it's a series of books um, when Jesus walked this earth and then after his ministry in the early church, okay? So, so in, this, in this New Testament period, when Jesus is interacting with this guy, he's referring back to Old Testament laws. This guy was an expert in Old Testament law. So he came to Jesus Chapter 22, verse 35 to 39, and he says this. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, telling him and saying, Teacher, he put some respect on it. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, it was like 300 plus laws that these dudes had to abide by. All right. So which one is the greatest? All right. Narrow it down. Summarize all 300 plus for us, Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second one, and I love this, Jesus always gives extra credit, right? He's always, he's always going for more here. And he says this, and the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So he said this, love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That's like me saying like, yo, God wants your whole entire house. He wants your living room. He wants your dining room. He wants your kitchen, right? So he's basically saying the whole thing. It's like the core of your being is what we're supposed to love God with. And out of the core of our being, once we, once we learn to love God, and we can only love God because we receive God's love first, then we can love our neighbor as we've been loved, but from the core of our being. So he, talks, he says this word heart, and not heart from the sense of that, the, the, the muscle that pumps blood through your system. He's talking about the heart of the, the essence of who you are, the center of who you are. In fact, this word, this Greek word, cardia, is mentioned a thousand times in Scripture. A thousand times in Scripture. Your core, the inside, the inner workings of who you are is very important. In fact, that's why Jesus answered this, Lord, and says, it's from the core of who you are. It's from the core of who you are that really makes a difference. Basically, in short, this is what God's saying. If I could change your heart, I can change everything. If I can change your heart, I can change everything. I could change your perspective. I could change everything. And so in this process of change, what we have to understand, and, and I've been preaching, I'm going to preach a lot about change, um, but the thing that we have to understand is this, that um, change brings pain. Change is uncomfortable, okay? Um, and so, but change brings pain, but listen to me, pain brings growth, okay? And that we're not just gonna change ourselves or we're not gonna change style of church or methods of church just for the sake of change because I believe that, that in fact, John Maxwell, the great author of a lot, bunch of leadership books out there said it this way, he goes, you could change without growth, but you cannot grow without changing, okay? So the goal here is growth, but, but in order for us to really grow, we have to change. But change brings pain. But pain brings growth. Pain helps us see the other, th other side of where we're trying to head, where we're trying to go, and what we're trying to be, right? And, and those things that hurt instruct. I'm quoting a lot of people today. Ben Franklin said that. Things that hurt instruct. Pain is a teacher in our lives, unfortunately. Some of us, including myself, 
We're a bunch of knuckleheads. We don't learn the easy way. We sometimes have to learn the painful way. I wish I could go back, you know, hindsight 2020. I wish I could go back and, remember, and just know that, hey, I should just listen to this person's advice rather than learning the hard way, rather than I should learn it in the classroom and not the school of hard knocks. You know what I'm saying? And so pain is something that we have to understand. So before I dive into understanding how God needs to change us or the start of change, um, I want to talk about this concept of pain. It's very important because pain, let's define pain real quick. Pain is just extreme discomfort. And so maybe it's not pain like broken leg pain, kidney stone pain, childbirth pain, but like that part that, that brings extreme discomfort. And that could be emotional pain. That could be physical pain. Um, there's, there's a lot of different types of pains here, all right? But we avoid change because we avoid pain. Let me say that again. We avoid change because we avoid pain. So the connection that I need to make right now is simply this, is that if you want to change anything, we must increase our pain capacity. If we want to change anything, if, if we're going to survive this series together, you have to increase your pain capacity. In other words, your threshold of pain. But I'm telling you right now that if you, you're going to quit every single time it gets difficult, if you don't increase your capacity for pain. And the Bible talks about different ways how God will, will allow things in your life according to your capacity. I want to read something to you. Matthew 25, verse 14, it says this, For it is as if a man going on a journey summons his slaves and entrusts his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, to another one talent. Watch this. To each according to his ability, okay? To each according to his ability. So some of these guys, they went out and they doubled their talents. But we know at the end of the story, the one who came back with the one talent just said, hey, I just saved this and I didn't increase it. And the story didn't end well for that guy, okay? So in that, the one verse I want to highlight is that he gave to them according to his ability. So in this story, in this parable, Jesus loved to talk in parables. The master, the master gave these guys according to their capacity. The master gave, gave the five capacity guy five, the four capacity guy four, but he knew that they could increase it, but not by that much, okay? But so he was going to push them a little bit and expected to push a little bit in that way. And so in this, with that same principle, we might have a capacity that's here, right? But in order for us to change, we have to push ourselves, stretch ourselves to go here, push ourselves to see ourselves going further, farther, wider, deeper than we've ever gone before. But you have to increase your pain capacity. Pain needs to be your friend. We need to befriend pain. I would actually say it this way. I love the story. Um, in fact, come on, a little treat this morning. I'm going to throw a clip of the movie G.I. Jane. Everybody remember G.I. Jane? Uh, G.I. Jane was a story about a woman who enrolled into the army, and there's this great scene of her instructor talking about pain. Here it is. Pain is your friend, your ally. It will tell you when you are seriously injured. It will keep you awake and angry and remind you to finish the job and get the hell home. 
But you know the best thing about pain? Oh, no! It lets you know you're not dead yet! So there you have it. Pain lets you know that you are still alive. Write this down. This is really important. Your pain capacity is directly related to your ability to love. Woo! Y'all get that? Your pain capacity is directly related to your ability to love, okay? Bible says this, that no greater love is this, that a man lays down his life for another person, okay? So to lay down your life is uncomfortable. And sometimes for some of us, it's extreme discomfort, but that's love. That's the love that Jesus showed us, right? I'll say it this way for those of us who, who, who've been in church. I believe that your pain capacity is also directly related to your worship. We've heard verses that say um, that, that, that we need to give God the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of our rejoicing, the sacrifice of our worship. Man, I'm telling you, if you're a worship leader, if you're a person who loves worship, you have not reached the epitome of your time praising God, worshiping God, embracing God, interacting with God, engaging with God until you've increased, if you at the very end of your pain capacity. I believe that the biggest altars in our lives are when you're at the level of your pain capacity. Y'all getting this today, all right? So we need to increase our pain capacity if we're going to embrace any type of change in our lives. All right, so we have to understand that principle, okay, that if we expect to change anything, we have to increase our pain capacity, right? But the major theme for this message is going to be this, that new, I'm going to put it in quotes, new is the starting line. New is the starting line. If we expect to change anything. Let me explain that. Paul in 2 Corinthians says it this way, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, Okay. Then he said, basically, he's explaining, he's like, oh, yeah, Jesus died for all, right? So now we all die in him, right? Why? And he died for all, that those who live no longer for themselves, all right? He paid the price for us. He, he owns us, all right? We're his. We don't live any longer for ourselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's Jesus. Now, therefore, therefore, a lot of times we start with the therefore when we're quoting this verse, but, but there's, a, there's a reason the therefore is there, and I just read it. All right? He died. He owns us. Now we, we, we're put to death. The old self is put to death. because therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, that means like we, we, we've heard of Jesus, that encounter of Jesus, the old man, known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus longer. Okay, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. Here's what I understand, that the starting line has to be newness if we're going to change anything. Right. What I mean by that is that when Jesus came in, he came in with this theme of newness. Everything's new. Right. He said, all right, listen to me. I'm ushering in the new covenant. Okay. Old covenant was that you had to sacrifice something in order to be in right standing with God. Old covenant was you have to do, 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 do in order to be with God, right? This one is like, no, I just have to believe in Jesus in order to be with God, right? I have access to God right 
now, okay? So that's the new covenant. So he says this, hey, we can't, uh, the old is gone, the new is here. I'm giving you a new covenant. He also talked about that now there's a new wine. You know, he said that in Mark chapter 2. He said this is a new wine, and this new wine represents the new covenant. The new wine represents grace. The new wine represents his blood that was shed for your sins, all right? So he says a new covenant, a new wine, and then here Paul's saying, hey, listen, there's a new creation, your starting line has to be that you're brand new. And the reason that that's important is because of this. If we're trying to fix the old constantly, if we're trying to fix the old constantly, what we're going to do is we're constantly going to accommodate dysfunction. And if you've ever been around any kind of leadership teaching from Mike Rosado about what we said this, that when you accommodate dysfunction, you will just breed more dysfunction, okay? What I mean by that is that when, when, you, when something's broken, and you just try to duct tape it together and, and just make sure that you're just fixing the old. Sometimes you just got to throw the old away and just start from scratch. Hit the reset button. And thank God today that our religion, our belief means this, that when we ask God for forgiveness, he literally forgets about that sin. He throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. He forgets about it. And we're a new creation. Every morning, his mercies are new. Every morning, I get to hit the reset button. But if our mindset is constantly focused on the mistakes of the past, listen to me, some of us, we're tripping up on things of the past and not moving forward because we're looking backwards, right? You don't trip up on things behind you unless you're looking backwards. You don't trip up on things behind you unless you're looking backwards. Okay, so forget about proving to people. You want to prove to people that you're saved right now and you're a new person and you do, you're, you're extra with your religion. You forget about all that stuff, right? What you're doing is you're accommodating your past. You're new. You are brand new. So give yourself that fresh start because God's giving you that fresh start. If people don't give you that fresh start, then that's on them. But between you and God, you have a fresh start. Our starting line is newness. Our starting line has to be newness. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing in your life. He's doing a new thing at Fervent Church. He's doing a new thing, right? I remember uh, back when YouTube first started, there was this old clip of this kid dancing. Hey, today's a day of clips. Let me show you that one. Boys and girls, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who gives us new life, and he's doing a new thing for us. Always doing it. God is doing a new thing. You know he's doing it. God is doing a new thing. You know he's doing it. Who's doing it? God is doing a new thing. You know he's doing it. Yo, who's doing it? God is doing a new thing. So here, I, I will give you this. If anyone is talented enough to remix that song and make it a new song, um, I, I will give you mad credit. I will play it on service. All right. Anybody who's like a, a pro at Logic or Pro Tools or something to that degree, if you could remix that, I will play it right now on service. I promise you. All right. But God is doing a new thing. And that's what we have to focus on. So your starting line is newness. OK, there's a reason why that 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 when Jesus died on the cross. Right. There was two other people that were crucified with Jesus. Maybe some of you see the imagery. There's two other crosses. And on one side of Jesus, there was a man called the thief. And the thief believed in Jesus, 
And the thief asked Jesus, Jesus, can I be with you in paradise? And Jesus promised him that he will be with him in heaven, that he will be with him in paradise. But notice that the thief didn't have to get off the cross and return everything he stole, okay? That is the power, that is the power of grace in your life, okay? Wherever sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Now, here's the question. Here's where the teaching comes in. Because some of you are like, well, I get it. I'm a new creation, but why... Do I still struggle with my sin then? Why do I still struggle with bad thoughts? Why do I still struggle with bad habits? Okay? Because you still have a big bag of flesh. Okay? So we're new. There's grace. Okay? But like until we die, we still have to deal with this human mind. We have to deal with this human heart, human hands, human eyes, human ears. You're still going to have to deal with it. Okay? And so even though between you and God you're new, you still have this flesh. And so the Bible says that what we do is we die daily to that flesh. We make a decision daily to that. There should be an evolution, if you will. I know that's not a good church term, but I believe that it fits here. There's an evolution of who you are, that every day you get better. Every day you have the choice to say this, that I can make better choices today than I did yesterday. Why? Because of grace, okay? So you struggle with those things still because you're accessing still the past and not your new mind, all right? And that's what we're going to talk about. It's like once he creates a new heart, then he will change your thoughts. But first you have to understand that you have to go to God and work on God creating yourself a new heart in him, right? That is how we change. But you have to understand this, that the more you look back, and we all do this, right? Why? Because people force us to look back. I remember when I first gave my life to God, I... um. I didn't have that moment um, where, you know, some of you, which is, I think is a great moment where some of you, a preacher preaches, right? And they do the salvation altar call and they ask you to raise your hand and then you, you pray this prayer that, that, that you accept Jesus into your heart. I, I personally didn't have that moment. Nothing against that moment, but I just, I didn't have that moment. My, I, I progressed into the kingdom of God. And, but I remember there's, there's some significant seasons in my life where I said, okay, enough is enough. I'm not going to have one foot in and one foot out. I'm all in for Jesus. I'm all in for God. And this is where, like, I, I wish somebody told me, hey, you're new. Stop referring back to the old. You're not the old Mike. You're the new Mike. But instead, I, I had people come to me, hey, man, I know who you are. You, you used to do this. You used to be that. Oh, remember? Remember? And they used to say things like, remember when Mike was fun? Remember when Mike was down to do whatever? Remember wild Mike? Remember, remember funny Mike? Remember Mike that was down to fight anybody? Remember that Mike? Remember cussing Mike? Remember, remember you know, they, they would always refer back to that old Mike because that was the Mike that they were comfortable with. But to be honest with you, that wasn't the Mike that my future was comfortable with. Hello. That wasn't the mic that my future was comfortable with. So there are times where like, people will ask you and refer to you as the old you. But you have to understand, if you're going to change anything, you got to hit the reset button in your heart. That you are not the old you anymore. You're the new you. You're the new you. And so whatever that, that is, before you start trying to change your clothes, before you start trying to change your habits, you have to first change this core, the center of your being. But it has to start with grace. And what does that mean for some of us? You have to forgive yourself. You do. You have to forgive yourself. We, there's two extremes. There's some people that just kind of like what we call abuse grace. They just continue sinning. 
and and, and some some people get real irritated with that because they're like, I just feel like they're abusing grace. Listen, grace is really strong. You can never abuse grace. Um, but I get what you're saying, that those people are just taking advantage and not using grace to be a better person, right? So there's those type of people. But then there's some of us that just beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up when we mess up, beat ourselves up when... Uh, when, when, we, when we have that bad thought even, it's not even external, we beat ourselves up internally. Can I just ask you to, from now on, stop to, to give yourself grace. Give yourself grace to forgive yourself. Not only forgiving yourself for your past, but forgive yourself today. You're going to make some mistakes today because you're human. We all fall short of the glory of God. You will make some mistakes today. But beating yourself up doesn't make you better. It really doesn't. And the reason that you're beating, oh, get this. The reason that you're beating yourself up is because you're keeping the same scoreboard of your past. Oh, this is the, this is the hundredth time I messed up. No, no, no. Because of grace, this is just the first time I messed up in that area. Y'all see the difference? Do you see how much that's a difference maker? If you allow grace to be new every single morning, if your starting line is newness from here on out, you're not keeping score of the past, so there's no reason for you to beat yourself up. What you do is you just get up and try even better. Get up and worship God with your better. And if we could understand that the starting line is not negative. The starting line is newness. You don't start with the negative. That's not what God died for. That's not what Jesus died for. Jesus didn't die so that every single day you could start with spiritual debt, that you could start with negative. He died so that every single day, the starting line is newness, so that you could be better. Stop beating yourself up. Stop just being re repetitive in your, in your habits and your mistakes. Start with newness, and let's honor that grace. Let's honor that newness and live the life that God has called you to live. Amen? Here's what I want to do. Um, I want to pray for some of the people watching this right now. Um, Maybe you're the person who has been beating yourself up for a long time and you don't know how to change. But now you're like, yo, this is it. I really want to change. I want to pray for all of us. Because I believe that this series is not just going to be something that our church needs, but something that people outside of our church desperately need. And so I want to pray for you in this time. Father, we ask you to teach us more about the potency, the power of your grace, that your mercies are new every single morning. So we, the person watching and myself, we receive your grace. We don't beat ourselves up. We lean into your love, knowing that every single morning is an opportunity for me to honor that grace and give you the best version of myself. Be Lord over our lives. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your death on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.